Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. Well, we're uh, starting a new sermon series today. I want to say, first of all, thank you for the last couple. We did a little vacation, and so uh, Aaron Sones brought a word, man, on Mother's Day that was awesome. Kim and I were listening on the way back and just kept stopping the message and just going, man, we've got incredible people. Just This is part of the riches of, of Christ you know, in the church, and it was incredible, Aaron. And then, then that was before lunch, and then we ate lunch, and then we put on Jim Reynolds, who spoke last week, and man, Jim, like, is that just awesome or what? I, like, I kept, I'd stop it every now and then go, did he just say that? You know, <laughs> I love it. No pressure. <laughs> so we're starting our summer series today. It's called Live It Out in Love. <laughs> I just went blank. I got a few things in my mind. But uh, there's, there's not a better person that could be starting this series. Y'all give it up for James. Good morning, church. Good morning. Guys, this is going to be great. God has spoken. We've got a word here for us today. I really believe the Lord said something for us. He's going to equip and encourage us. But before I dive into all that, just a little introduction here. So my name is James Albright. I'm the Life Group and Missions Pastor here. And I've been here for 18 years now and uh, serving in different capacities. And I love this church. This church has taught me to love Jesus and to love the church, big C, church. And I'm so thankful for that. I spent the majority of my adulthood life here at at Antioch, Fort Worth. Married to my beautiful wife who I met here. And uh, we have been married for almost 17 years, babe. So come on. So Laura Albright also serves with us here as the best pastoral care director on the planet and uh, both on the international side and here in the local church. We got three beautiful daughters, Lizzie, 13, Becca, 12, and Ella is nine. And so um, I often will say this if I get the opportunity to speak here, that if you're ever bored on a, just a random night of the week, you can come on over to our house because it is never boring, not ever once. So we have a great time. I love being a dad, too. love being a parent. It's the most sanctifying thing I've ever done, and it's the most wonderful thing I've ever done. All right. So I'm excited to kick this sermon series off. This is going to be great. We've got a number of different speakers that are going to be able to come up here, some from staff, some not on staff. We've got a lot of riches here in the body, and so we can come expectant and excited about what God's going to do in our hearts over these next few weeks But this sermon series, Live It Out in Love, is all kind of built off of this banner word that the Lord gave us back at the beginning of the year. And that is, start with, start on this side, start with Jesus, pray it in, and live it out in love. So that's this banner word, and we've already done this sermon series on start with Jesus and pray it in, and now we get the opportunity here to to work through this live it out in love portion. And, uh, you know, that's really, when we think about that phrase, that's like a, that's a banner phrase for us as followers of Jesus, really. Because we, in everything we do, in our decision making, in, at work, every single day, whatever it might be we're doing in family, home, whatever, we start with Him, we 
bring in that word from him and pray it into reality. And then we live it out. We walk it out, right? So this is a pathway for us. So what we get the opportunity to do over the next few weeks is hear from a variety of different variety of people who are going to be talking about how do we live this out in love? How do we uh, work this out here on a day in, day out basis? All right, you guys ready? Your faith high? Come on, let's let it let's let it rise. So I get the chance to to preach about three or four times a year, and then I get to teach in a variety of different settings all through the church and outside of the church, and I love it. And so I've kind of always tried to have a word just fresh on my heart, right? And so I, and this time was no different. And Jamie came to me maybe three-ish weeks ago, four or something like that, and said, hey, would you preach on this Sunday? I said, love to, happy to, thank you for the opportunity. And so I began to pray some of the things that I thought I already, I thought, you know, it's probably one of these two things that the Lord's been talking to me about. Well, I get into the prayer room, I get into that quiet place with him, and he's like, nope, that's not it. And uh, so, okay, so, you know, wait a couple days, then go back into that place. Lord, what is it? What's the burden that you've got for Antioch, Fort Worth for this Sunday? I know you've got a word for us. Nothing. I got nothing. So I walk out of there going, oh, it's okay. But I know the Lord speaks. So we just, and then we go through that a couple more times. Well, I get to about 10 days out from today. And I'm like, I don't have a word. And I'm sweating a little bit because I know I've got a bunch of deadlines here at the end of May, beginning of June. I'm like, I got to, Lord, it's now no longer a request. It's like, I need a word, <laughs> right? You know, and so we, that's where we were at. Well, then it hit me one night at Life Group. So I'm going to bring you into that story. So we, we're gathering together the guys. So I don't know about in, in our life group, we gather together, we do, we meet, we, uh, discuss the, the sermon together and apply it to our lives. And then we go together and, and, uh, and do our ministry time where we get the opportunity to pray for each other. It's really good. And so we were together with the guys and, and the guys and I are talking and we're just sharing about how can we pray for each other. It comes to my turn. And I go, guys, I don't know what is going on, but I do know that I feel like I'm waiting in every area of my life right now. It's just all over. It's like a theme in my life. And I sense his presence in it, but I don't know what he's saying. I don't totally know what he's talking to me about or what the word is, what he's saying. But I, we had a car accident back in the fall where Laura and the girls were rear-ended and all that's just still up in the air. It's not all finished and settled and dealt with. And then in one afternoon this spring, And one afternoon, my car broke down. Mr. Faithful, my old truck, is broke down. I know, sad. And and then uh, we found out we had a broken pipe in our our sewer line going out of the house. It then took the plumber five days to find it at what I think are lawyer rates, you know. And then and then finally, we had uh, my daughter comes home sick from school that that afternoon early. Her stomach's hurting. We take her to the doctor, who then takes. They say go to the ER. She's got a, she needs an appendectomy. This is one afternoon. I was like, wow. Okay, Lord, you're doing something. And I just said to him, my answer is yes, Lord. I don't know what you're doing, but my answer is yes. And then, but in my mind, I'm freaking out just to put this all humanity on this. Like it was good. There was grace to say yes. But in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of unresolved. I don't know what I'm going to do with this. And so as I'm telling the guys this, then I say, and to top it all off, I'm preaching in 10 days and I don't have a word. I don't know what I'm preaching about. 
And, and I said, it's like the Lord's teaching me something about waiting on him, but I can't grab, get my hands around it. And then it's like the Lord goes, that's it. You're going to preach on waiting on the Lord. I'm teaching you. I was like, okay, that makes a lot more sense. And it also brings a lot of peace to all that, doesn't it? So he's got a word for us. And that's the way this works. There's always something that he's got for us. And he wants to work through those places of tension. So we're going to talk about waiting on the Lord here on Memorial Day weekend. Are you guys excited? I mean, come on. The only thing better that you guys would be more excited about is like maybe a word on fasting or martyrdom. <laughs> One of those two might be a little bit better, more exciting, right? So I was like, really? Memorial Day week? Okay. All right. We're going to talk about waiting on the Lord. But here's the thing. I think the Lord's got joy and blessing on the other side of this for us. All right. So let's go for it. You know, waiting is something that we all have to do a lot of in our lives, right? We wait at a stoplight. We wait at a government office. We wait in line at the grocery store. We need patience for our kids. I mean, other people, not ours, you know. We need patience for our colleagues. I mean, I really need this prayer right now. I need patience for my colleagues. Can you guys just pray for me? Just... Love you guys. We need patience on the road, right? There's crazy, you know, whatever going on with all those drivers. It's more than what's going on on the road, you know. We need patience in our lives. So let's take a little bit, step, a step deeper though, and talk about those places where we need to wait on the Lord for things. There's things going on in our lives that that it's not like that surface level, I just need to wait at the grocery store and kind of suck it up and get over myself. It's more, it's deeper. It's something that we've been waiting on and asking for for a long time, and we don't know if it's going to get resolved. All those things I talked about, the car accident, all those different things, that's going to get resolved. In the end, 20 years from now, no big deal anymore. But there's things that we're waiting on right now, in, right now in the church, where we don't know if it's going to get resolved or not. And we're asking the Lord, what's going to happen here? Some of us are waiting on a spouse. Some of us are waiting to get pregnant. Some of us are waiting for reconciliation in a relationship. Some of us are waiting on clarity for a job or a future. What is this pathway that you've got for me, Lord? And there's tension in this in that the kingdom of God has come and it has not yet come. We're in this in-between time where the kingdom of God has come in Jesus, and yet we're still dealing with sin and death. There's still that going on. It's under his feet, but we're in this in-between season right now. And so there's tension in that, and we experience that tension on a daily basis. We experience freedom from one habitual sin, but yet we're still stuck in another one, where we experience breakthrough in a relationship that was broken, and yet this other one that we just can't seem to to bring it to resolution. And there's tension here. I remember the first time I saw somebody get healed, and it was right here in our very first life group. We saw someone get healed. And then I remember praying for people who were sick or had cancer, and they didn't get healed and they passed away. There's tension in this place of waiting But what I want to encourage us with today is that it's, it's, not, 
It's not even that, they're, that, that even in the place of tension, in the place of waiting, that there is also great joy and great blessing. And in fact, there's great intimacy there with the Lord that He's inviting us into. He's welcoming us into a deeper place of intimacy. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So my prayer for us today is that we would be encouraged and equipped That we would be able to walk through these places of of tension, these places of waiting with joy and with a great big yes in our heart to the Lord. And that on the back end of it, we would have stories to tell of His goodness. Of how maybe the outcome didn't look how we thought, maybe it did. But in in the end, we'd help tell stories of His goodness and how He was with us all the way through. All right, the main thing today is that God is calling us to be a people filled with faith and a yes in our heart to Him as we walk through places of waiting in our lives. Amen? Amen. So to unpack this, we're going to look at John 11, this fantastic story of, G- of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. we got three lessons out of there that we want to unpack. But before we do so, we're going to pray because I firmly believe that it's the Holy Spirit who guides us to truth. So as we open up the Word of God, in the end, we need Him. We need Him to come. So would you guys join with me as we pray for Him to come? Spirit of God, we do look to You as the the one who leads us to truth, the one who uh, guides us into everything that You've got for us, Lord. And we ask that You would give us grace right now to understand what You're saying to us. Lord, that we wouldn't just hear what you're, to hear the word, but we would be ones who walk it out. So give us grace today, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So you guys open up your Bibles to John chapter 11, verse 1, and we're going to read through 44 verses, a little bit spotty here, and, and jump around a little bit, all right? You guys ready? Okay, here we go. Word of God. So here in verse 1, Now a man named Lazarus was sick, and he was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. Okay, so we got Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They're all siblings. They live in Bethany. Bethany is right outside of Jerusalem. So Jesus, when he would come into town, when he would come into Jerusalem, he would stay the night often. They had become friends in some form or fashion, and then they actually became really good friends. And there was a lot of stuff that happened in Bethany. That's a whole other message that's really incredible when you look at it. But that's that's what's going on here. And so now their close family friend, Jesus' close family friend is sick. This is not just somebody that he met at one point. This is like your close family friend is sick. And so they call out to Jesus, Jesus, the one you love is sick. So there we go. Uh, Verse four, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for the, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. But then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there, they tried to stone you, and yet you want to go back? So in that chapter before, in chapter 10, 
he said some audacious things about who he was. He said that he was God. And the Jewish authorities were angry at him. And, and they wanted to stone him. In fact, he narrowly escaped. And my guess is, is that the disciples also narrowly escaped. They probably just made it out of there. And they ran out, got out beyond the Jordan River, is what it says, about a day's walk outside of Jerusalem. Let's keep going in verse 9. Jesus answered, are, not, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they will see by this world's light. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples realized, Lord, if he sleep, or replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he's going to get better. Jesus, this always makes me feel better about my response to Jesus. Jesus said, no, no, it's dead. Lazarus is dead. Verse 14, and for your sake, I'm glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles away, and so a whole lot of folks had come out to mourn with them. And let's pick it up here in verse 21, where Martha comes running out to Jesus. And Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you're the Messiah, the Son of God who's come into the world. All right, so then Martha runs off and she gets her sister Mary And Mary comes out from the house and comes out with all these different, all the mourners that had come in from Jerusalem. They all came out with her because they thought that she was going to the tomb. And so we pick it up here in verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, look how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man kept this man from dying? Verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved came to the tomb and it was a a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for it's been four days. And then Jesus said, listen to this, church. Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took the stone away, and then Jesus looked up and said, Father, thank you that you have heard me. We haven't heard him pray yet, have we? But he's been praying the whole time. He's in connection with his father. Father, thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people are standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, 
his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Woo! Come on. What a passage. There's so much in there. There is so much. And we're going to just focus in on this waiting on God portion, but there's a lot just on that. So here we go. So because Mary and Martha were waiting on God to do something that they knew only he could do. So what is it in your own life that that you're waiting on the Lord to do that you know only he can do? And whatever that is, I want you to think about it and just take that with us through these next three points here, these three lessons that the Lord's got for us. All right, so the first lesson that we can learn about waiting on the Lord from this passage is to acknowledge the tension. Acknowledge the tension. Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus because their brother was sick. They were desperate for him. And yet Jesus waited for two days. There's tension in this, isn't there? Why on earth would he wait for two days? And there's a lot of speculation. He had just been tried, they just tried to kill him there. There's all kinds of things. But in the end, we don't know. Why did he wait for two days? We don't know. And it's confusing. And then, but he had the power to save Lazarus, and yet he waited for two days. So where are those places in your own life where you're going, God, why? I don't understand. Why? Why would this have happened? Why didn't they get healed? Why isn't that financial problem resolved? Why is that relationship still broken? You know, there's so much pain in this tension, but I think we have something that we can learn from the way that Mary and Martha responded to this whole situation. Because, so we're, because what they did is they came running to Jesus. They called out to him, and when he came, they came running to him. And then they put their lament before him. They put their complaint in front of him. Now, lamenting is not something we talk about all the time. And once again, I'm like, really, God, it's some kind of funny joke that on Memorial Day weekend, we're going to talk about lamenting. But here we go. You guys ready, church? Uh, Come on. Lamenting's good, and you're about to see it. And that's the point. We don't talk about lamenting. Even your response tells me we don't talk about this. Because we as Americans like to anesthetize our pain. A lot. We do what we can to not feel any pain. Even the way that we mourn or grieve or things like that is, it's not like a lot of places around the world where they feel it a lot more. They deal, they sit in it a little bit longer than we do. Okay, so I'm not, okay, just hang in there with me. But it's healthy for us to lay our burdens before the Lord. It's healthy for us to come to Him honestly and authentically. He doesn't want us to come and just act like everything's good when maybe it's not. He wants us to be authentic with it. He's not scared of the hard questions at all. There's so many, there's so much biblical precedent for lamenting in the Psalms and there's an entire book called Lamentations. Uh, one article in Faith and Leadership from 2015 said, when we lament, we confess our humanity and concede that we are too weak to combat the world's powers, principalities, and spiritual wickedness on our own. It's an act of worship for us because it's an act of saying, I need you, God. I'm so desperate for you. Now, hang on. Listen to this quote. Got this from Graydon Jones right over there. Surprised by Paradox, a, a book that he's reading 
that I can't recommend, but it, the quotes are awesome. Can you recommend it? Awesome. Great. He recommends it. Surprised by paradox. Listen to this. Lament paradoxically necessitates great faith. Okay. See, it goes against what we think in America. We, th- we read those Psalms and we go, how can you say that to God? How can you be that raw and honest to Him? That's too much. That's too far. But in, and in fact, we think maybe that it's a sign of not believing in God. But what this is saying is that paradoxically, lamenting paradoxically necessitates great faith. We come only to lament when we've abandoned our messianic intentions. When we have abandoned our desire to try to fix it all and recognize that we can't. So it's an act of worship. Only then are we ready to bring the divine business back to its rightful owner. Isn't that good? But lamenting doesn't just stop there. It doesn't just stop at the complaint. So listen to this, what Martha did. Martha puts her complaint before the Lord. It says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But then she goes on and she says, but I know. But I know that if you, God listens to you and whatever you ask, he's going to do it. I know that. That's my revelation. That's my promise. I know who I am. I know who you are. And so she took that revelation, that rock, and she put it on the ground and she stood on it and said, in the middle of my pain, I know. This is what I know. What is it that we know? What's the truth that we can hang on to? What are those promises that we've got? We want to know what those places are. What's that promise that we can stand on in the middle of that place of tension? It's good news. So she says to him, we, you know, she says, I, uh, uh, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. She was honest about the tension, but then, and put her lament before the Lord, but then she ended by settling herself in the nature of God. She settled herself down in the nature of God. We need that, don't we, church? We need that. Lamenting, honest and authentic communication with God is a starting place for intimacy with Him. It's a starting place. Coming to Him authentically. So I encourage us as a church to develop this spiritual discipline of lamenting. And I believe that as we do that, we are going to cultivate an honest relationship with God and stay settled in His good nature through our waiting. Amen. Right. So this second lesson, this leads us right into that second point here of uh, that in waiting on the Lord, we want to walk with walk in the light. Capital L. Walk in the light. As Jesus is explaining to his disciples that they're going back to the place where they almost died, he gives this strange little phrase in verse nine. So it's it's. Um, almost too obvious, and, and it's, it's a bit confusing because of that. He says, are there not 12 hours of daylight? This is verse 9. Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they have, uh, for, for, but, but will see by the world's light. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. It's like, great. Thank you for that revelation, Lord. Now, to understand it, though, we always know he's up to something. He's teaching us something. So we got to dig in a little deeper on this. 
So as we've said, there's already this tension that's existing. And the tension is that why did he wait for two days? But then the other tension is why did he tell him, we're going to go back to the place where we almost died? Why would he do that? He was asking them, contrary to logic and reason, he was asking them to go back into the jaws of death where they just came out of. Have you ever sensed God speaking to you and telling you to do something that was contrary to logic or reason? Contrary to what your gut told you was the right thing to do? But you heard that voice, that still small voice saying, trust me on this one. I know I have. I've been in that place. And this was one of those times for the disciples. And I believe that Jesus was reminding them that earlier in John chapter 8, just a couple of chapters ahead, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He was reminding them of this that he had already said to them. And so what Jesus was teaching his disciples was was that to walk with him, we want to walk with him no matter what. It's always a better option to walk with him than to walk on our own way because he is the light that we need. Walking with him even back into the jaws of death is the safest thing we could ever do is to walk with him. If we go our own way, we're just going around in the dark and we're stumbling through and we've all experienced it. The longer we live, the more we've seen that. But by walking with Jesus, even into what seems like the jaws of death, we are going to see the goodness of God in that situation every single time. It's a guarantee. We will see Jesus' future breaking into our reality, our present day reality. And Thomas gave this sarcastic response in verse 16. He goes, well, let's just all go so that we can all die. You know, it's kind of this funny thing. But despite his sarcasm, he's actually right. Like, yeah, that's the best stand. Let's go. Let's go with him. Walking with Jesus into the jaws of death is better than walking without him into what seems like the best way to us. The reality is our vision is limited. And we're really just stumbling around in the dark without him. And so it brings to light Psalm 84.10 that says that better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. It's better with you, Lord. Every single time I want to be with you, I choose to walk in the light. So that's our next step there as we're waiting on him. We're making a decision internally and then walking it out and saying yes to whatever he says, even in the midst of that tension of waiting. All right, and then this third lesson here, third lesson that we can learn about waiting on the Lord is that uh, we have a yes, Lord attitude, a yes, Lord attitude. So Jesus and his disciples leave and they start taking the one day journey back across from the Jordan back over to Bethany. And when they arrive, uh, Martha heads, you know, comes and says this whole thing. If you had not, if you had been here and Jesus says to her what was probably just a customary Jewish response in a funeral. But then he, and then she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I understand he'll rise again on the third day. You know, rise, not on the third day. That's Jesus. Rise again on the last day. And, and, and he interrupts her and says, Hang on, I am the resurrection and the life. What you need is me. He personified her need and and put the answer all into himself. It's him that they needed. 
It's Him that they needed. I am the resurrection and the life. So today, whatever it is you need, Jesus, I long for restoration in that relationship. He says, I'm the restoration you need. Jesus, I need provision. He says, I'm the provision that you need. Jesus says, I, we say to Jesus, Jesus, I need a breakthrough in this situation. It's hopeless. And he says, I'm the breakthrough that you need. It's me. The answer you're looking for is me. It's, it's him. Jesus goes on to say that the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And as we get down to the end here, Martha responds in this most amazing way. And she says, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I mean, when I read that, I don't totally get what he's saying. Do, I mean, none of us do, right? But her answer was like, yes, Lord. I don't totally understand. And my brother is still dead. Yes, Lord. I believe. Yes, Lord. So may her yes, Lord attitude paved the way for the kingdom of God to come into her situation. Our yes, Lord attitude is going to pave the way for the kingdom of God to come. Isn't that good? Well, guys, we're going to stand up and respond to the Lord. So if you guys would just stand up here. We'll talk a little bit about the result here as we're doing this together. Ministry team, worship team. Come on up right there at the end as they go to the tomb. And, um, and Jesus says to them, go ahead and roll the stone away. And Martha objects, says, hey, it's, it's been too long. He's too far gone. There's no more hope. If I could have a little more ministry team, come on over. He's too, he's too far gone. There's no more hope on this one. He's dead and he smells. But Jesus says to them, did I not tell you that if you believe, you're going to see the glory of God? That's what he's doing in this waiting on the Lord things. That's what he's doing. When we're waiting on him, he's going, did I not tell you? Don't worry about the results. Just know that I'm with you and I'm gonna, you're going to see the glory of God in this situation. You're going to see me break through in this situation. We can't guarantee the outcome. We don't know that. But what we can do is we can fix our eyes on Him in the midst of the pain and the tension and bring our, bring our lament before Him and then stand upon the rock of truth that we know about Him and move forward into that, into all that He's got and believe that we're going to see the glory of God in this situation. So we've got, there's a bunch of situations in the room and I want to invite us to listen to the Lord here. Just take, we're going to take 10 seconds and listen to the Lord. I want you to ask him, Father, is there something I need to respond to about this? Just close your eyes. Take just a few seconds. So no matter what the situation is that you're thinking about, no matter where it is that you need hope, that you need to remember that you're going to see the glory of God, come on up and get some prayer. And if it's not about this message, if it's something completely different, come on up and get some prayer. We really believe in a, in a seen breakthrough in our lives when we pray together as a church. So come on up, church. Respond to the Lord. Let's go for it.